Welcome back to another episode of Life with Lamb. Thank you so much for tuning in. And if you couldn't tell, your boy is a little bit sick. So please bear with me during this intro. Today on the podcast, we have Veronica or VA Strength, a very highly anticipated episode from a few of you listeners. So thank you so much for being so patient with me. Veronica is a coach that trains out of Pro Raw and has recently pursued this as her passion, but it hasn't always been like this. In the podcast, the two of us discuss her upbringing, how she moved to Egypt during her progressive years as a teenager and was subject to a very strict and rigid lifestyle. From there, she moved back to Australia where she became the sole income provider for her family. Because her mum and dad couldn't speak English very well, they unfortunately couldn't find a job, which left V needing to fend for her own family. In the podcast, V opens up about the struggles that she faced, the certain hours that she was working, and just the extent as to how much she was working for her family and for her survival. This podcast is such a testament to V, and I cannot thank her enough for her time. She's been an absolute gem to speak to, and her story is so captivating. To be able to pursue something that you love after doing it so hard for so long is something that I find so admirable, and I hope that you guys can tune in and feel the same way. Before we do begin today's episode, though, I would appreciate it so much if you followed Life With Land podcast on Instagram, rated the show five stars, and even followed on Spotify if possible. We're really trying to grow the podcast at the moment, and I hope you guys are appreciating the consistency each week. But that's enough from me. I really do hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did, and let's get right into it. Welcome back to another episode of Life with Lamb. Today I'm here with V, or Veronica, from VA Strength. How are we going? Yeah, really good. Um... You know, I've been listening to your podcast as well. Been excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. And I guess to like my knowledge, you are a powerlifting coach. Yeah. But I don't really know that much about you. I guess we were talking to Richard before who kindly joined us um, just before the episode started that the first time that we met was the first time Richard and I met where you were yeah. handling him. Yeah, yeah, I was handling him at intern. You were there. I think you had pink hair. I had blonde hair. I had like oh. a, like a skunk <laughs> mullet sort of thing going on. <laughs> um, yeah, I was handling Richie and you guys were like against each other um, in the same weight class. Yes. Um, from memory. I think so, yes. Um, yeah, so I, to, I kept an eye out on you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty... The both of us were pretty hard to miss. R- Richard had kill on, the, he on his head. Like shaven into his head and then I had like yeah this skunk mullet sort of thing going so yeah it was, it was a good day um so yeah to my knowledge you're, you're a powerlifting coach but yeah. I guess for the listeners who are you um so I've graduated from my degree exercise science earlier this year um been coaching for about a year and a half closer to two years now um yeah, I've had a lot of dreams, <laughs> different dreams. <laughs> um, might pursue physiotherapy either next year or the year after, just waiting to, you know, um, figure out a few things first because I want to make sure I have the time mm. to do that whilst coaching. Um, what else? I, d- I love powerlifting, so <laughs> yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> and I think, yeah, you've established this uh, brand even, like VA Strength and mm. – from what I can see from your page, you're, you've got a bunch of amazing lifters, uh, predominantly women, and you're like this role model and, and this icon that empowers women to get into powerlifting, which is such an admirable thing. And I guess that's what, like why I wanted you on the podcast. And obviously, shout out to Caitlin as well. She's <laughs> definitely uh, wingmaned this episode, so shout out to her. But yeah. I guess like from the start, has it always been powerlifting coaching? I think it's a very niche thing to get into, so... Not sure if many people grow up and they're like, I want to be a powerlifting coach. Oh, definitely not. No, it wasn't the case from the very start. So um, I wanted to be like everything (laughs) as I was growing up. Um, I think at one point I wanted to be a lawyer. One thing I really, really wanted to be was like a movie director. I know, so random. Um, Dream's a dream. Yeah. I used to like play around with like movie maker and things when I was younger and I was like, that's it, I'm going to be a director. (laughs) Um, I, um, what else did I want to be? I wanted to be a police officer at one point. This was actually a few years ago um, when I was about 20. 
Really? Yeah, yeah. That's so exciting. A few years ago, but anyways. <laughs> and then, did you ever apply? Yeah, yeah, I did, um, and the application got cancelled. Uh, please explain. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I got caught driving 52 kilometres over the speed limit. <laughs> oh, jeez, not a good start. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like my very first fine. So that was my first and also only fine that I've gotten so far. Um, and I, yeah, I got caught speeding and then they cancelled my... Yeah, they just rejected me. And then I remember I was crying and the cops stopped me. And I was like, I'm like meant to do an interview next week. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, say goodbye to the interview. And then he actually gave me a really good like pep talk. Um, so he sat down with me and he's like, listen, like, is this the way you want to live your life? Do you want to make mistakes that will ruin your career and your future? And like, he gave me like such a good talk. And I was like, you know what? I'm never going to speed again. I'm going to be so much better. And then he told me, he's like, how do you, how do you expect to be a cop if you're acting like this? And I was like, no, you're right. You're right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. You need, maybe you need to be pulled over more often, I reckon. That's like a requisite in life. It's like get get a pep talk by a policeman or police woman. <laughs> Literally. Amazing. And and I guess, can you describe your upbringing for us? Like you sound like this person who's had a lot of dreams and, and now you're sort of living that dream. Mm. Um, yeah. What, what were you like as a kid? Uh, so... Um I think my childhood was a bit all over the place. So <laughs> I, um, as a kid, well, I lived in Egypt from the ages of 12 to 16. Um, so I was there with my brother and some extended family. Um, so I think a lot of my dreams pretty much like had to like pretty much went on hold when I was in Egypt because I didn't know what was next for me. I actually didn't know when I was going to come back to Australia um, number one, number two, um, there's not many options, um, career wise in Egypt either. So it's like you either hit a certain ATAR and you have to get into certain courses if you hit these ATARs, but if you don't hit a certain score, you have nothing for you. And especially being a woman as well, it's like really hard to get into things in Egypt. So, um, I didn't actually have any I guess, dreams or hopes when I was there until I was able to come back to Australia. And then I was like, oh, yeah, okay, now I can actually, you know, chase something or do something that I really want to do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess you hear a lot about um, people moving to countries like Australia, mm-hmm. America or um, I guess the UK for yeah. more employment opportunities just because I guess the economy is a bit better or the opportunities are a bit more vast. Um, what was the reason as to why you had to live sort of your progressive years, like in, I guess, your teens sort of stage um, in Egypt? Um, so my parents were going through a divorce. Yeah, and it was it was a very complicated one. <laughs> yeah, um, so my dad pretty much um, sent us to Egypt to spend time with our families, but then our families over there, um, wanted us to stay and didn't um, didn't give us the chance to come back to Australia. Okay. Took a while turn. All right. Amazing. And then you've moved, I reckon I'll, I'll brush over that, but you've moved back to Australia where the opportunities are, I guess, a little bit more concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, we get funneled into, you know, high school, uni, and then... Um, expected to graduate and then go into the workforce. Is that something that you experienced? No, not at all. So I finished high school here. Um, When I finished high school, my mum actually came back into my life. So I didn't have my mum throughout those years as well, Mm. from the age of 12 to almost 18. Um, But then as I was was finishing high school, my mum did come back into my life. Um, But when she came back, she came back from Egypt and she – her English had actually – like it had worsened over the years um so she was really struggling to find a job um and then what we did was um so my mom was working a lot and my brother was in high school I finished year 12 and I had the opportunity to obviously go to uni but I thought to myself no I'd rather just work full-time and pretty much um you know take care of my family because 
we were renting and we were kind of struggling. Like we were struggling a lot. I remember my mum used to count like every dollar to make sure we had enough for the bill and for the rents and everything. And it was like we had no extra cash. So I um yeah, so I worked I worked full time. I started working at NAB, got the opportunity to work at NAB. Um so worked there full time, saved up as much as I can. I was also like the main income for the household so but also still saves up as much as I can everything back then was also cheaper keep that in mind (laughs) than now (laughs) Um, (laughs) like you're talking about you know almost 10 years ago (laughs) so um yeah and then I saved up got a house for the family um and by then my mom was also able to find another job but it was still quite hard like it wasn't enough you know with the mortgage and everything and being young and my mom's still not earning as much so at one point I um I just kept working I worked so much overtime worked over the weekends eventually got a different job at a law firm um and then worked there for a few years and then at one point like we still needed a bit more so then I started doing cleaning at night (laughs) so I was working like two jobs um but I'll do overnight cleaning and um law firm during day um but yeah now that now that's all you know over and done with and I'm a coach and I'm doing something I really enjoy and um yeah you know I I have so many more opportunities and that makes me really happy wow so much to unpack there (laughs) um what an insane ride like I think we or I guess like my generation or if you want to put it that way like have the privilege of like entering university but sometimes it's a necessity to, ju- to just go into the workforce straight away and in your case it definitely was even the idea of like working at NAB people think that you probably need I don't know a certain qualification or degree and that sort of thing can yeah. you t- touch a little bit on that actually um I got the job at NAB through a recruiter called Hayes so um you know anyone who needs a job <laughs> shout out Hayes <laughs> shout out Hayes <laughs> <laughs> I love it yeah so honestly, like I had no experience. Um, I was young, like just turned 18 and they were able to give me a job at NAB. Like it was entry level job, but I worked really hard and got promoted like to three different roles in my time at NAB, which was really good. Um, but yeah, like that's that's pretty much how you can get it. You could, There's a lot of entry level jobs in the corporate world. Um, you just need to... I guess find it or go through an agency. Yeah, mm, definitely. Yeah, because I think it's it's it sounds taboo, or maybe I'm just like not aware of the opportunities. And, mm. and shout out Hayes again, <laughs> but yeah, it, it just seems very taboo, and and that you need these sort of um, certifications or or this piece of paper that everyone works so hard for, like your bachelor's degree in in commerce, and then you can go into like the finance sector or something well, like literally, that. Literally, I remember now a lot of people were getting like promotions, and they had no degrees. And they were, like, getting, like, huge promotions, earning almost 100K a year with no degree. So they just worked hard and proved themselves in the industry. And same thing, like, when I got the job at the law firm, I was in building management and, like, with no degree. (laughs) I was just using my experience from NAB and was able to work in building management there. So, yeah. so you'd say, so you, the, the exercise sports science degree is the first degree that you've... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. And we'll touch on that a bit later, but yeah, what an incredible journey. And I guess it just goes to show like how hardworking you are. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask, because um, you'd be considered first generation, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? Yeah. Amazing. So I guess talk to us a bit about what it's like having immigrant parents. You said that you know, mum struggled a, a lot with her English yeah. and even before we were talking dad as well and how he had to leave his job because he couldn't quite grasp the language in the environment that he was in. Could you see the struggles at the time and, and how did that make you feel? Um, I could see it. Yeah, I did see it quite a bit at the time, um, especially when I was a lot younger. So I remember um, back in primary school, so I went to the same school for primary and secondary um, and it's pretty much like an Arab school. So <laughs> it's got all, all the Arabs that go there. <laughs> and um, and it's kind of sad because you'd see actually a lot of the teachers, um, they were parents who also had a very strong accent or like weren't the best at speaking English and things like that. 
And I remember at the time, a lot of the kids used to bully them. And it's like your parents are literally the exact same as those teachers. But people would laugh at them, bully them, make fun of them. So imagine my dad in a public school or a different school where the kids can't even relate to having a parent that's like my dad. Do you get what mm. I mean? So I can't even imagine what he what he went through. Definitely. Do you get what I mean? 100%. So um, I did experience, yeah, I did see it. I saw them struggle a lot. Um, yeah, it was hard for them. It was hard because even as a kid, like they'd like ask me to translate things or like look at things with them and I'd be like, I, st- I still don't understand these words myself. You're <laughs> <laughs> so young as well. Oh my but gosh. yeah, no, it's... um. It's good. My dad had it a bit better than my mum, I reckon, though. My mum just didn't really know much English at all. Mm, Definitely. And I guess it, like, backpedals back to, like, the necessity of you needing to find a job, which Mm. I think it might be looked down upon because university is so, like, prevalent these days. It's, like, the expectation that, hey, look, like, you've done high school. You might as well just go into tertiary education and then find a, like, stable job from there. And then that's sort of, like, the life that you're projected by, by by your parents really because you know it's stable it's secure it's gonna make the most money but it's like is it something that you enjoy doing sort of thing and I think your story is gonna be amazing in terms of you had to do it really hard in the early stages but now you're doing powerlifting coaching as like something that's your job that's your occupation that yeah. and that you love it <laughs> yeah. you know so um, I'm really keen to uh, dissect it a little bit more I guess with your parents struggles did it mean that you weren't able to do some of the things that normal kids, quote-unquote, normal kids could do, such as, like, school sports, extracurricular activities, those sorts of things? So, as a kid, I've always... I remember growing up, I really wanted to do, like, gymnastics or tennis, especially gymnastics, though. Never got the chance to do it. I now definitely don't have the mobility to do it. (laughs) That's out the window forever. (laughs) Make a comeback. (laughs) See you next year, next year. Yeah, next year. (laughs) See you at the Olympics or something. Um, but yeah, no, I hadn't. I couldn't do any of those things because even growing up in Egypt, I remember I was like skipping once, and I got told off because. And I mind you, I was like thirteen years old. I was told off because they were like, "You girls can't skip because their body jiggles as they skip." Yeah, yeah, and they're like, they're like, so you're gonna attract like the male, like men's attention, so you shouldn't be skipping. So it was like little things like that. Whereas you know, my brother would be like running and doing whatever he wants. He was in so many sports, and then yeah, there was me. I had to be like, I had to walk a certain way because they're like, you have to walk without moving your hip too much because you don't want to catch men's attention. And these were like little things that were like ingrained in me as I was younger. Yeah. Wow. I can just feel like everyone's, I don't know. I think I feel like everyone's just like really triggered right now. Whoever's listening, I'm triggered. <laughs> I'm triggered as well. That is, that's a conversation I don't really want to get into, <laughs> yeah, no, but I can sorry. imagine like how ingrained and like, like sexist and misogynist. Yeah, oh, 100%. Misogynistic the culture is and like you can't grow up. But see, at the time, I, I didn't like know that. better. Exactly. So at the time, 100%. yeah, like keep in mind, I sort of, I guess, deep down, I did know better because I was born in Australia. So this was like really new to me, but I was also very young. So I was easily like, I guess, brainwashed or, you know, felt like I didn't have a choice because I was so young. Like I look back at this now and I'm like, whoa. But when I was younger, I was like, okay, I have to do better. I have to walk this way because this means I'm a good girl and I can't. You know, I can't move my hips like this or I can't be skipping or running or things like that because, you know, I need to live a certain lifestyle, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I guess it goes back to, like, yeah, you being told, like, mm. what to do and you are a product of your own environment. Like, if, yeah, if your environment's telling you that you can't, like, walk a certain way or, or speak a certain way, then, of course, you're going to follow that because you don't know any better. So, yeah, yeah sorry to hear that. Um I know you grew up in an environment like that. I just feel like it's very foreign <laughs> to me. So it's very interesting. Um, so Thank you. Yeah. So you couldn't really pursue, I guess, gymnastics or, or those no. little things that um, were of interest when you were younger. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then obviously growing up, like being at the gym and stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I could be good at this. <laughs> so, so how did you get into the gym? Um. I was, so this was like years ago. This is prior powerlifting, so Mm. prior to powerlifting. Like I was just training at the gym because I wanted to train 
um, I wanted to lose a lot of weight. I was about, I think, 76 kilos, but keep in mind with no muscle. Like, currently I'm 75 kilos, but I've trained for years. So 76 and I had zero muscle. So I was, like, a lot bigger than what I am even now. And I, um, yeah, I wanted to lose weight. So um, at the time I was dating um, my first boyfriend and he we were like all right we're gonna lose weight together things like that and I got down to 55 kilos yeah I was tiny (laughs) that's a 20 kilo shred wow yeah I was really small and then I remember because I used to go to Derma so (laughs) I used to see um a lot of strong girls and stuff and I'd be like oh you know what I might want to pursue powerlifting um but at the time my first ex wouldn't let me because he thought powerlifting was too manly (laughs) and he liked the petite look more so he was like no like maybe do bikini or something else so that you don't you know you don't gain too much weight um so i can see why he he was your first boyfriend (laughs) not current (laughs) oh gosh yeah and then I pursued powerlifting right after. So it was actually, um, though, my brother's girlfriend because, mm. you know, that relationship was over and done with. And then I was still working and training at Derma at one point. And then my brother's girlfriend, Emily, at the time they weren't dating. So um, shout out to Emily. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she kept coming into the gym and she was just so strong like we're talking about 2018 here in 2018 and she was like oh, I forgot how many she was like 60 something kilos probably 62 or 63 but she was like deadlifting like 150 Damn. and like squatting 140 and she was just like insane and like sleeveless and everything like sleeveless, sleeveless. yeah sleeveless at the time and I was like you're my inspo. Like, I was like, holy shit, I'm, like, obsessed with you. <laughs> and then I introduced her to my brother, and then that's history now. They're together. <laughs> They've been together since. Love it. Love a wingman moment. <laughs> but, um, no, that's how I actually got into powerlifting. Like, that's when I was like, you know what, I really want to give this a go. Mm. Um, and lockdown happened right after, though. So lockdown happened right after. Um, couldn't do it straight away. Waited till November 2020, and that's when I actually started. Amazing. So yeah, you've sort of found like what you love doing and Mm -hmm. it's taking this like windy pathway. I wanted to ask like, you know, in this present time and like society these days, you know, we're all scrolling TikTok and and it's all very like short form instant gratification sort of uh, way of living life. Like we can all be so ungrateful um, and I think it's so important to be present. But I want to ask like your upbringing, obviously it wasn't the easiest upbringing, like you've moved countries and then you've had to support your family and work so hard. Did you ever wonder like, why me? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> what, was, what was that like? Can you describe that feeling? Um, oh, I used to be really sad. <laughs> um, yeah, I used to be like extremely depressed, if anything. And I used to always think to myself, like, why do I have to deal with this? Like, why can't I just... You know, live a normal life. But, um, you know, I, I'd always remind myself that this is just going to make me stronger. Like, at the end of the day, like, everyone's got their own demons. Everyone's dealing with their own shit. Like, who's to say that someone else isn't dealing with something worse? You know, like, everyone does the same thing. They walk out of the house with a smile on their face. They would, They deal with their, like, daily tasks, work, whatever, friends, um you know, and you don't know what they're going through. So that's like something I had to remind myself of that no one's actually got a perfect life at the end of the day. So even though there's a lot of like, why me and feeling sorry for myself, that's not really going to get me anywhere. Like I'd have to be like, all right, like it's happened. How do I move forward Mm. type of thing? Beautiful. (laughs) I loved getting that out of you. That's like my clip there. I love it. Um, Yeah. So I I think it's such an important message, that one. Like you, you, you really just said I guess I could cut the bullshit and sort yeah. of like I have to do this like it's out of necessity I have to support my family otherwise there's like who is going to yeah. sort of thing so no I love that um so much and it's definitely made you the person that you are today so you can stand on two feet and be like I established this life for myself sort <laughs> of thing um 
And and talk about the extent of like the work that you were doing. So you you went to NAB, um, got the job there, and then you transitioned to the law firm. But you were also cleaning at night. Like, how were you juggling all these things? Did you ever f- face burnout? Yeah, I did. I did. I, was, I think I was sleeping. I'm pretty sure at one point I actually experienced insomnia for a while. <laughs> like I was not sleeping. Um, but I had so much adrenaline. Like I was like, I don't have a choice. I've got to, I've got to do this. Um, so I'd work very long days and then I'd do cleaning and then I used to still go to the gym. Um, yeah, so I used respect to, that. That's but awesome. I'd make my workout an hour maximum. So mm. I used to train about five days a week. This was once again before powerlifting. So my workouts um, did not involve squats, bench, or deadlift. <laughs> it was just more like machines. Mm. Um, so I'd go in there and I just like smash out like so many accessories, so like just a lot of accessory work. Um, I, lo- I love that phrase, just to jump in, because we call it accessory work like what an everyday human being would be doing in the gym sort of thing. It's like, yeah. oh, it's not your compounds, yeah, it's accessories. Yeah, pretty much. I was just thinking that to myself yeah. now. I'm like, wait, back then I didn't consider them accessory yeah, work, literally. but right now That's I'm like, That's the main yeah. workout. <laughs> so whatever your accessories are today, that was your workout. Yeah, That's all it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd smash that out and like, you know, if I had – if I had a bit more energy, I'd even do a bit of cardio. Um, but then I'd go home straight away. Like, it'd be one hour, one hour, 15 minutes maximum. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I wasn't sleeping much. I was very, very tired. Yeah, I can imagine. And and I guess, like, the imagery that pops up when you, you said, like, your mum was counting the money on the table to, like, be able to rent and, and pr- um, yeah. pay the bills and those sorts of things. Like, did it ever get to a point where you were well off? Or, or like, how long were you in this cycle for? Like working all those jobs and um, like not sleeping at night. Oh, I think um, I think it was for a few years. But we did eventually get to a spot where we were just comfortable. Mm. And um, I think to us, like that was like a big deal. Like I remember there would be a few times where, because even out of habit now, like if my mom wants to take me out, I'd be like, no, 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 mom, like, you know, like we can't, like, you know, money wise, like, what if we cut? And then she's like, no, no, no. Because in my head, I'm like, you know, what if she, um, you know, like, I don't want to put that pressure onto her. But she's actually a lot more comfortable. And I got to remind myself of that. And she's like, no, no, no. Like, she's like, I wouldn't ask you to do this or come out with me or something if, if I didn't think we'd be able to afford it. Like, we're good. We're in a good place. And if anything, a lot of times she, like, helps me out as well. Mm. And it's just crazy. It's crazy to see how far we've come. Like Definitely. we've come like a very long way compared to back then, which is really nice. Yeah, I love that. Love the development and yeah. like yeah, it'd be something that's ingrained in ingrained in you um, from a very young age. Like money is so important, sort of thing. And I think we're we're in this generation or society where th- so food can be a social glue. Um, no, so yeah. about that. <laughs> I think um, once I did get comfortable, I could not, I did not stop eating out. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I can eat out every single day. And I remember my friends used to message me because I posted on my story every day, like, V, you eat out every day. I'm like, I know, I know. I mean, fair enough. Like, it is great. Exactly. Live the life that like you sort of weren't able to, to live like back then sort of thing. Um, I wanted to ask, like, socially, how did that impact you? You know, like, you're pretty tight on money and, mm. you know, going out can be such, like, a great social thing. But I know that money can be such a difficult thing for yeah. a lot of people as well. How did you go about it? So up until I turned, like, 21, I barely had any friends because I barely um, – I couldn't really afford going out often or doing things like that, eating out often, th- you know, like, just – the social aspect was just too expensive for me. Unless it was something like going over to a friend's house or doing something a bit more chill, I'd be able to do that. But I was also quite burnt out. Like I remember, I think it was between the ages of especially 18 to 20, I was like really, really burnt out. Um, And I just did not have the mental capacity to even be around my friends. So the only person I was around the most was my first ex-boyfriend, which mm. was who I was referring to before. Um, but that's because literally the only person that I could even make time for and it wasn't even that much. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but I think now, like, 
now it's very different because now I I eat out with my friends a lot <laughs> <laughs> and I try new places. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, so it's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so I guess you've touched on the powerlifting and ha- and who got you into it. We'll mm. say who because shout out Emily. Emily. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Strong woman, far out. I can't uh, get over the idea of sleeveless 140 squat. She just did 160 for three squat. You know, she she's okay. So she just did 160 for three sleeveless. This was like a few weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So she's got her first comp at JPS. Her first comp? Her first comp ever. I know. So Wait, both what? me and her coach, so James Michael. I don't know if you James Michael. You I know. don't know. No. So, yeah. So he also um, works out of ABA Performance. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been like begging her for years, like literally peer pressuring her for years because we're like, bro, you don't, you don't understand the potential you have. And she finally caved in. Finally. <laughs> Good. I, I'm keen to see that performance happen. I don't know Emily, but I'm just keen to see like or hear about what, what's happening. Oh my gosh. Wow. She's so strong. Very strong. But this is your podcast as well, me. So we're going to talk about you. <laughs> um, so, you know, broken up with the ex-boyfriend yeah. and got into powerlifting. What, what, what is it like? Like, I, I know the conversation around women stepping into the gym can be a really hard one. And I think a lot of women find it very difficult to walk into a gym yeah. environment and, and can find it very intimidating. So you obviously had your partner back at the time, uh, mm. back back then, um, who would help you at Derrimit, one of mm. the scariest gyms probably to go to as, as a girl. But yeah, what's it all like? You know, like what um, gave you the courage to step in, into a gym? Um, well, I actually didn't start at Derrimit right away though. I did start at High Life also with our partner in Tullamarine. So mm. that was a lot – it was a smaller gym and I think that's what gave me the confidence. Um, I had no confidence when I was bigger and I was always training in the women's section. But then as I lost the weight, my confidence did increase and I was, like, happy to train, especially around him. Um, but, yeah, I think um, I think moving from there to Derrimit was a big change for me. I was really nervous. Um but I did get over it. Mm. Yeah, I just I had to like just remember that I was there for myself. And at the end of the day, no one actually cares what you're doing. You know, they're not actually looking at you. They're everyone's just doing their own thing. You know, they're all there to improve on themselves and focus on their own progress. So you should just be there for yourself as well. And Definitely. I think that's just something that I always had to remind myself. Mm. Yeah. And is it something that you preach to like your own clients as well? Um. Yeah. A hundred percent. yeah so I remember like I've had a few clients who were like just nervous being at a new gym um or coming to me at pro raw and I'd be like well I'm here with you and trust me like no one cares and then they come in and they're like oh yeah you're right it's quite chill but when they're nervous I actually try my best to get him in whilst I'm there um just so that they know that they can come to me for anything or that I'm watching over them and sort of like get their confidence up first before they like start going to the gym on their own um and then i think it's helped a lot of people like a lot of my clients definitely yeah yeah i think one of the best ways to get yourself into the gym and in that environment is to go with someone Mm, and that's with anything as well like if you want to go to a networking event like go with someone bring a buddy those sorts of things um and like i guess like can you describe the moment where you considered coaching yeah so (laughs) Um, I was at uni, so when I first did my, when I was first um, applying for my bachelor degree in exercise science, I did not think I was going to be a coach. <laughs> I was just doing it as a pathway to get into physiotherapy. So I think it was during my first year, I was like, oh yeah, like they were teaching us a lot of things about like strength training and resistance training and, um, you know, we had like all these different units and the more I did it and the more we had to like coach other people and I was like, oh, I can actually see myself doing this. So then I actually started coaching a friend of mine um, just for fun, like whilst I was in uni, you know, mm. um, <laughs> just like pretty much taking on everything that I was learning and giving it giving it a go with her. <laughs> so she's like a guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like how most powerlifting coaches start yeah. out. They have like a little guinea pig, which is awesome. So. Yeah, and then she was just progressing. She was just happy. Like she was happy being in the gym. And I was like, oh my God, like the more she was progressing and the, like her wins were my wins. 
and it was like oh my god like I'm so happy seeing her happy and I get really excited like I get all jumpy and stuff <laughs> when I see I have seen yeah. <laughs> it's very cute <laughs> I get so jumpy and then um and then I was like oh my god I would love to do this as a job like you know, giving back to people and just seeing them, you know, achieve their goals and being that person that's like, you know, there for them and, and like, I don't know. I think like as much as it helps them, it also helps me because I'm like, oh, wow, like I can, I don't know, I just put a smile on their face and that makes me happy. <laughs> so. so you'd say it started from, yeah, I guess like putting the theory into practice. A hundred percent. While you were studying, which I think we Sometimes we get the opportunity, sometimes we don't. So mm. it's like fortuitous that it sort of fell into your lap. Yeah. And then I know you speak very highly of Josh Sim. I do. Yes. <laughs> He's someone that I definitely want to get on the podcast. Um, and you speak very highly of his mentorship in particular. Can you talk to us a bit about this experience? Like what prompted you to go to Josh to seek advice and, and how did this help your coaching career? So Josh and I, we've been friends for a few years. Um, so we are friends like prior to like coaching and mentorships and stuff. Um, I remember like him and Elle, they came to all my first comps, like first two comps are into to support me and stuff like this, stuff like that. So I really appreciated that. And it made me realize like, they've like, especially like Josh as a coach, he's very like supportive of other people, even if they're not his clients. And I think that was the first thing that I noticed. I was like, wow, I love that. Like, you know, I'm not his client. He drove all the way there and he didn't have clients competing just to like support me and because he knew I was nervous for my first comp and I was like wow like and um this was like years ago so I um over time like I just noticed and watched I guess from afar like how he treats his clients and things like that and I had so much respect for him the whole time and um when I started coaching um I guess I started feeling like huge impost imposter syndrome um it was really bad mm. <laughs> so then I reached out to Josh and I'm like Josh I'm freaking out I don't know if this is actually for me like look at all the amazing coaches there are out there and although like I've studied and stuff I just feel like that's not enough because you know honestly I don't think uni is enough like there's so much more knowledge out there and um yeah I was just like like they don't teach you everything in uni so I was like I I feel like there's a huge lack in my like in my knowledge and I just there's so much more that I need to learn. Mm. Um and he was like calming me down. He's like, Look, I'm happy to um to show you stuff. I'm like, Yeah, I'm like, if anything, can you actually like mentor me? Like sit down with me, mentor me, we can go through stuff, um, give me scenarios, teach me things and like me and him laugh about it now because the first time we did a mentorship, I remember he um like you can actually tell that I didn't know much. <laughs> we actually joked about it the other day. Cause I'm like, to him, um, a few, my last mentorship, I think it was about two or three weeks ago. I'm like to him, um, do you feel like I've made a lot of progress? He's like, bro, like your first mentorship, I was sitting here like, damn, she, she needs, she needs to learn a lot. <laughs> I'm going to teach her a lot. I was like, oh no. Well, this is honest. This, this yeah, is no, it's great. good. Yeah, it's exactly. good. It's what you want from a mentor, right? 100%. Like honestly. And then now like even my questions, they're very different. It's no longer like, am I just programming this right or anything like that? It's like, it's a lot more advanced. It's like how to help with this or like, I don't know. It's just, mm. it's very different. And, um, yeah, I'm really, really happy with the progress I've made with him. He's so supportive. Beautiful. So you you would say that combating your Im- imposter syndrome was a pro- process of like obviously doing it mm-hmm. more and more, but having that mentorship and that guidance. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I still have it a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Mm, that's fine. A bit fine. of imposter syndrome, but I'm definitely working through it and I'm trying to educate myself a lot more. Definitely. Um, Because what better way is it to get rid of it? It's to just like... Look, th- look at more mentorships and educate myself um, through reading stuff and, you know, um, yeah, definitely continuing the mentorships with Josh will be very beneficial. 100%. Well. Um, I saw this, like, reel from um, a really great communicator. His name's Vin Zhang, um, mm. and he's, he addressed imposter syndrome. I think it, he said, like, imposter syndrome will always be there. But the way that you frame it is like the most important thing. So you can infra- you can frame it as like, wow, I don't know anything. Like that means I'm like, therefore that means I'm bad. 
at it. But instead, you should frame it in the way that I don't know anything. So that means I should continue to push and excel and better myself so that I can slowly reach it. But it's this ever like ever increasing sort of journey where you're like constantly improving and that's like a better way to approach it. So I think like the way that you're trying to educate yourself and like physically doing it as well is like such a great way to combat it. I hear you go to um, your client's physio appointments as well. Yeah, so there's multiple reasons as to why I do that. Firstly, it's so I can also just hear what the physio has to say to my clients. Um, A lot of my clients, (laughs) um, Caitlin, (laughs) (laughs) will not, um, I guess, understand what the physio has to say. Like she'll genuinely forget or she won't really understand what he's trying to say. So then when I ask her to repeat things for me, she wouldn't know where to begin exactly no 100 Um, it's it's a really interesting point that you bring up because um i think like a really common one that i come across is like pain so some people perceive pain they always say oh what's your pain from zero to ten and some people who perceive pain as like a two like other people might think it's like a six and those sorts of things so sometimes you can't relay the correct information over and it's not your fault like it's not general public knowledge as well 100% so yeah I love that point and I feel like hearing it from the physio themselves number one you'll learn you'll hear the whole thing like because obviously your client won't have to repeat any of that Mm. to you so you'll know exactly um you'll know, know exactly what's wrong you'll know you'll have a bit more of an understanding of how they're feeling as well because the physio will test certain things right like Mm -hmm. put them in certain positions test if this hurts if that hurts and you get to see that and then you're like oh yeah all right now i know Mm -hmm. um and then the physio also feels more comfortable in in contacting you directly like that's what i've experienced so for example the physio that we've been going to with um caitlin and fran um he just like contacts me directly now and um yeah and like emails me all the time and like i discuss things with him and I think it's so important to have that relationship with any physio osteochiro that's out there you know um yeah being more involved I think is very important 100 percent. yeah and tying on to that can you describe the way that you coach um I know you coach a lot of uh women Mm -hmm. as well you coach male clients as well yeah yeah 100 percent. love it um yeah can you describe for us like what your coaching style is oh Okay, um, (laughs) so I think it comes down to um, obviously each person's goals. So my the way I program, for example, will be dependent on each person's goals. Yeah, Um, I don't have particularly just powerlifters. I've got other clients as well. Some clients are doing different sports. Um, Like I've got one client that does footy, and I have just you know regular people gym goers you know that just want to improve um so I think everyone 100% needs to be programmed very differently so it needs to be quite individualized to their needs um in terms of my powerlifting clients they're it's very very individualized I guess to their needs because you have someone like Caitlin who loves benching four days a week and has seen like we've seen so much progress doing that but someone like Emilia who hates benching more than twice a week because she likes upper body and lower body days. And so I actually have a completely style, like different style of powerlifting um, programming for her than Caitlin. And it's like the same with all my clients. You know, like Caitlin would do deadlifts twice a week. Someone like Fran would only do it once a week. Um, depends on how much volume each one of them can take, their recovery, things like that. So um obviously the main goal is progressive overload but at the end day it just comes down to what each person needs um individually the other thing is in terms of my actual coaching I um I do see my clients a lot for (laughs) one-on-ones like a lot (laughs) um yeah if I've got like free time and I'm at the gym I'll get them to come in and we just like I'll watch over them you know, if I'm training and I know that in an hour I'll be done, I'll be, like, messaging them and be like, hey, like, if anyone wants to come down during this time. And I'll spend, like, an extra four or five hours at the gym just watching my clients. Yeah, like, I I do schedule in as many one-on-ones as I can. 
um, just so that I can, I guess, see them. And, you know, if I'm already at the gym, I don't, you know, I'm just like, why not help them out, mm. you know? Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's, and, and that's probably a testament as to why Caitlin speaks so highly of you as well. Like, you sound so personable and I think yeah. every person that is pursuing a sport whether it is powerlifting or footy or or anything really like you need that sort of personalization because you felt that because you feel that you're looked after you're cared for and then therefore you perform better as well yeah 100%, so. yeah like you can't give a footy player the same program as a powerlifter you know they, so they require, like <laughs> leg power and leg strength but like it's very different it's very individualized and every powerlifter I think needs you know, what works for them. You know, some people can do really well benching twice or three times a week, some people four, um, some people squat twice a week, even three times, or, you know, they lift once or twice. Like, you don't – everyone just needs something that works for them. At first, it's obviously trial and error because you've got to figure out what works for them, but once you know and you see a pattern of it, you're like, yep, I know what works for this client. Mm, definitely. I love it. And you'd say powerlifting coaching is – Something that you love. I love it. Amazing. <laughs> so what has it been like? I guess like you tr you've transitioned from working multiple jobs, trying to um, support your family, to now working your passion or pursuing your passion even. Like how has that impacted your overall outlook on life? Mm. Tough question. Yeah, that was... Like, <laughs> very tough question. Um, I guess my outlook on life it hasn't really changed just because I do like powerlifting coaching. Like, it's still like you want something, you've got to work hard for it. Um, yeah, so I think that's still the same outlook that I have. Um, but it's the same thing with powerlifting, right? Like, you want something, you've got to work hard for it. You want a certain PV, you've got to work hard for it. So I think it's the same outlook that I would have um, with other things in my life. Um. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. No, I love it. It's good. Um, and is there something that you would tell younger V, you know, when she was working all these jobs and sort of slaving away for the sake of the family? Like, mm -hmm. is there anything you'd like to tell her? Yeah, actually, like, back then, I guess I'd look back and I'd be like, be patient. Um, it does get better. Like, there's no such thing as you've hit rock bottom, then you'll hit rock bottom again. <laughs> it's like, if you hit rock bottom, you will come back up, you know. Um, you might hit rock bottom a few times, but eventually it will get better. So I think that's something that I'd have to, um, you know, remind myself a lot um but like I told you like at one point I was like extremely depressed so I keep thinking about the times that like I was like really really depressed and um like borderline <laughs> suicidal <laughs> and um and like if I hadn't like if I had obviously let myself drown and go down that path I wouldn't be here now does that make sense so um, the only reason I'm here now is because I decided to be here and improve and, you know, try to make the best, try to make the most out of my life now and it gets better. So 100% trust the process, it gets better. <laughs> I love it so much. Oh, what an awesome way <laughs> to conclude that segment. I love it. Um, we'll get into some questions. I put out a little Q&A and I think it's something that I want to put in more episodes. So... Yeah, let's get right into it. Yeah. Um, Vanessa asked, oh, she asked something you'd tell your younger self, but I think you just you just answered that one. Um, I guess, oh, so Vanessa asked also, what is something that you wish more women knew? That training will not make you bulky. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that is it's awesome. the first thing that I thought of. <laughs> training will not make you look manly. It will not turn you into like... Hulk, it will you will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> Love it! Oh my god, so good. Thank you, V. Um, <laughs> oh, I hate that misconception. I yeah, hate it so much. I've, I've come across this so many times, and it's like 
No, training will not make you bulky. It's, if anything, it's good for your health. There's so many benefits. You know, you should all still be training. Um, you know, and do it because you love it. Like, don't worry about growing muscle and getting looking manly because trust me when I tell you, if you want to look like that, it is so hard to look like that. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think there actually is studies around like how hard it it's actually so is hard. for um, like a more feminine ca- character to to look like the Hulk. Sort 100%, of thing. Yeah, 100%. you have to eat like a monster. You have to train like a monster. It's it's crazy. Yeah. It's you have to put in so much effort. I've been trying to look jacked for years, and I still don't look jacked. <laughs> You're pretty jacked. Oh. <laughs> That's so funny. Amazing. We've cleared the air. I love it. Um, Peter said, "No question. Just wanted to say, love your V. Uh, super proud of you. Aww. So sweet. I tell him I love him too. <laughs> so I think wholesome. Peter and I started coaching around the same time, mm. so it's kind of good to see like." The way we've been progressing. Definitely. You know, um, you know, seeing how he's doing so well with his clients and me too. And it's like crazy because like we were like the, we're like the newish coaches, I guess. Um, Next gen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. To see. Great to see. Yeah. Um, Mish asked, just, oh, she said, can you describe the moment you knew that coaching powerlifting was for you? Um, it goes back to when I was telling you about like, how I was coaching my friend and yeah. yeah. And then I realized how much I love it and how I want to do it just to see other people achieve their goals and be happy as well. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Some of these have been addressed. Hey, um, <laughs> Fran asked, why, why do you pretend to be natty? I'm not, I'm joking guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's, that can be put out of context. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I realized, you, you realize how fast the opening yeah, came out. I was like, wait. I don't even think I could clip that clip to make it sound believable. That's that's good save, good save. So you are lifetime natty. Yeah. If you look at my um, bio though, it does say aspiring trend mummy, and that still stands. <laughs> I'm joking. Love it. Um, Caitlin, oh, yeah. she's asked a few here. Um, she's asked, who are your biggest mentors slash role models in powerlifting? Let's say other than Josh. Because I think you've spoke a bit about yeah, yeah. Um, Emily is one, although she hasn't powerlifted just yet, but she's close to doing her first comp. Um, is he my first coach? Is he a hundred percent? So I was coached by Isabella. Um, she was actually my first powerlifting coach who I inquired with during lockdown. A hundred percent. Like I look up to her a lot. Um, geez, there's actually a few. Um, who else is there? Um, no, there's actually a lot. Like, even just being in Pearl, you know, seeing, like, a lot of everyone who's just pushing themselves mm. and um, doing so well for themselves. Oh, I, also Twee. Twee, <laughs> yes. Twee, 100%. Oh, my God. She's an icon. Yeah, I look up to her. <laughs> yeah, Twee's a beast. Shout out Twee. Um, yeah, and on that topic of like pro raw and, and things like I've recently gone to emerge, so shout out to the tea yeah. that I'm wearing. But like, what a difference it makes when you surround yourself with like-minded people or people who are just pushing themselves. I think you can cool. really excel and start to see gains yourself. Um, mm. Yeah, whether that's like in academia or um, yeah, in the gym, all those yeah. sorts of things. Just something to, to touch on. Oh my God, Caitlin, these are some <laughs> savage questions. Why? Um. She asked, when are you going to bench above body weight? I knew that one was going. <laughs> She's far out. That just respect. Look, i got to be nice. I'm on. <laughs> this is a podcast. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, you can tell me the uncensored version. Yeah, after. I'll tell you the uncensored version. Amazing. Later. Let's skip that one. Um, she asked, actually, what your most rewarding client growth story is. Oh, I'm sure few. there's going to be so many. There's a few, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I would say um, seeing Emilia come to me, been training for a while and like still not able to squat over 60 kilos with depth. And like she's been training for a while. She's done like so many things to try to improve that. And here she is like squatting 100 kilos with depth really comfortably. And I'm like, damn girl. Like, and then just seeing how happy she was after that, the confidence boost, um, I think that was really... I think that one meant a lot to me. Mm. I think another one was like Caitlin, when she first came to me, she was under eating 
I think she was only having one meal a day, um, anywhere between 300 to 500 calories, and that was it. And she was feeling really weak and fragile, and now just seeing her, like, all hyped up, eating a lot, um, training, like, feeling her body and just seeing her progress and even her, like, her mentality, even outside of the gym, it's changed so much, and I'm very proud of that one. Oh, God, there's so many. Yeah, like, there's I was just few. thinking about, like, even Fran. Like, um, Fran came to me um, injured. Um, she had a lower back injury um, since Nationals last year, mm. and she came to me um, quite nervous about their lifts, and then she had, like, triggered it again as soon as we started coaching together. So she was, like, really nervous about it, but then having the trust in me and, um, you know, we worked through managing it and now, like, seeing how she attacked deadlifts with the right mindset and doing all her prehab and, like, actually ready to, like, you know, battle, you know, mm. like, actually attack her workout. And it's just, like, it makes me really happy seeing that mindset shift. So there's actually a lot of wins, Um here yeah. yeah yeah i love it a lot to make me proud we'll do last one i reckon mm. um again caitlin thank you for all the questions mm. um what is what are some of the lessons that you've taken away from powerlifting that have positively impacted you outside of the gym um this one comes down to like having to work hard to achieve whatever you want to achieve like your goals um, so, for example, like, if you want to hit, like, if you want to achieve the world record for, like, deadlifts or total or whatever, you have to spend years, you know, you spend years um, chipping away, putting in the effort in your sleep, your nutrition, in your training, no skipping accessories. you got to put in the effort to get there, right? So it's the same concept when it comes to your career or relationships. you got to put in the effort and it takes time. It takes time, but putting in that effort is what's going to get you to achieve your goal. So, you know, um, I think that's definitely one thing I've taken from powerlifting. Yeah, I love it. And I think, I guess we're wrapping up to the final stages of the podcast, but, you know, it's that's probably a testament to your character. Um, you've lived life, I would say, in a very unconventional manner where it was pretty underprivileged, you know, like you went back to Egypt for your progressive years and then came back and really did it hard. Like yeah. your parents didn't necessarily have the best foundation for you growing up and not, not to, and it wasn't necessarily their fault either. Um, and you took it upon yourself to work hard, establish yourself with jobs, even though they were jobs that you didn't necessarily enjoy probably most of the time, like working late hours <laughs> and barely getting enough sleep. Like I can imagine how, um, tiresome that would have been but to see where you are now I can see like why Peter would say like he's so proud of you because I'm sure he knows your story and I've felt really grateful listening to your story and I really appreciate like the time that you've given to to share your story to people because I hope that it resonates with someone and yeah I can't thank you enough Thanks, Jaden. <laughs> for your time. Like, I really I really do appreciate it. Wait, let me press this thing first. It's ruining my segment. It's all good. You know the cameras don't record past half hour? I'm oh, so no. sad. So I need to invest in something. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to say, like, thank you so much for your time. Um, your story has been really inspiring. And, and to see, like, what, what you're doing right now, like pursuing something that you love in powerlifting and empowering other people as well. I think, like, that's such a beneficial thing to society I thought I would like I don't look at myself and think you know you must be an insp like inspiration or like you know you empower other people I just look at myself and I'm like huh, it's me <laughs> no, but I, and I love that about you like you're not going around saying like oh look like I'm no, V sort of thing um no like your story I, I didn't even know that about you so mm. when I sent that form out to you and, and got that response um as, like we were going to talk about all these sorts of things like I really I, I don't know like the respect just went through the roof so I hope thank it you. <laughs> I hope it um I hope it does for everyone else as well and, and I'm, I can't thank you enough I don't feel like I rambled so hard um <laughs> where can people find you um so you guys can find me on VA strength on um Instagram 
Um, I've also got a TikTok, but I don't use it much. <laughs> I, I need to get onto it, but... It's one of those things, hey, yeah, like, I oh, just, I need to get I onto struggle. TikTok, but yeah. <laughs> I just watch TikToks, yeah. <laughs> scroll through, but I don't make videos. Um, but yeah, definitely VA strength on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, love it. Um, be sure to follow at Life With Land Podcast and we'll catch you in the next episode. See ya. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>